The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. A-plus NVIDIA, the stock surging after its blowout quarter in guidance. So did that report just save the AI trade, the mega caps leadership role, and the entire rally? We will discuss and debate that with the Investment Committee. We're also going to highlight a new mega cap move from Jim Labenthal. We'll get to that in a minute. Joining me for the hour, along with Jim, Josh Brown, Stephanie Link, and Bryn Talkington, we will check the markets. By now, you know... We're highs across the board here. Dow and S&P at all-time highs. NASDAQ's ripping two. Josh, I obviously, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, A-plus is the second big test, right, after Palo Alto got uh, the poor grade. Uh, not NVIDIA. A-plus. Jensen Wong, accelerated computing and generative AI have hit the tipping point. He said, you said this was the whole ballgame going in. Yeah, I really felt that way. And look, it's not important whether you bought NVIDIA or you sold NVIDIA or anything in between. What really matters is that you acted emotionally, as, as we could all attest. That's really what you're going to want to do here is follow your heart. Most people went into this report, myself included, saying there has to be some incredible quarter. Like there's just there's just no way this stock can continue to levitate higher if they don't knock it out. And that's really what they did. I don't think anyone's really arguing with that. I saw the sell side research judge. I saw a couple of firms say, OK, everything's great, but it's reflected. I didn't really see anybody saying that they're worried about next quarter or, or end of year number. And so in the absence of that, it's more buyers than sellers. The story is old as time. Here's the most interesting thing to me. People say, well, how can you justify buying it right now? Well, if you could buy it last year, you could buy it right now. I'm not, but you could. NVIDIA is trading at a 34 forward enterprise value to free cash flow. Sounds relatively high to other technology stocks, not high for NVIDIA. In May of 2022, almost two full years ago, it was 43 times. In July of 2022, it was 58 times. So that number has been significantly higher than where it is right now. This is basically a stock that somehow finds a way to continually justify ever higher prices with the actual fundamentals. It's very rare. There aren't a lot of examples of this. I'm glad that you hit the valuation thing head on because we had the conversation, you and me, with Stacey Raskon, Bernstein, yesterday going into the print. He raised his and we, I told you he, he would. He did. And we put this to him about this argument about whether NVIDIA is too expensive on a price-to-earnings ratio forward. Here's what he told us. 
NVIDIA is still not expensive. It's actually still the cheapest of all of the AI stocks. It's way cheaper than AMD. It's cheaper than Marvell. It's even cheaper than Intel at this at this point, right? So I still think there is room for expectations to continue to go up. That's the key, uh, isn't it, Bryn? As Stacey Raskin, yeah. as Josh just said, quote, the story, this is what he says today. The story still feels like it has legs. We markedly increase estimates again and take our price target to $1,000. He was at 700, which we asked him about yesterday. He said, don't pay too much attention to my target there, but he bumps yep. it to 1,000. Yeah, I mean, what's so incredible, if you think about it, if you take a Google, Apple, Meta, Microsoft, and Amazon, the, what, $12 trillion market cap? When all of these companies get together behind the same theme, which is AI, NVIDIA is the recipient of all of that, the majority of that CapEx. And so this call, if, if you haven't listened to the call of an investor, I implore you to go listen to the call. It was like a masterclass. Um, and this is so exciting because I've just never seen a company that in 2021, they had revenues of like just shy of 17 billion. For 2024, they're going to do 60 billion. I just don't know of a company this size that have had just this catapult. And so investors need to remember the revenues and earnings are growing really in lockstep with the price. And so I think they're hitting on all cylinders. I will say, Scott, though, if you think about it a year from now, I don't think you're going to continue to see 200% growth year over year because you're going to see that stable that that stabilize. But you're still even looking out even further out. This company is probably going to be growing at 15 to 16% a year. So they just continue to be in pole position while everyone else is just trying to ride 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 their ride their yeah. wave. You were you were calm, cool, collected yesterday going into the number two. I asked you straight up if you were nervous. You said no, no. Because you believe in the company, you believe in the stock. They obviously delivered. Jim Labenthal, I'll go to you next because you also own it. Reasonably new uh, position for you. You were looking for this thing to trade lower so that maybe you could buy more. Uh, you're not going to get that chance, or maybe you had I, it and didn't buy enough. Yeah, no, I don't think it's going lower from here. But I also think the major point that I would make is that you do have to own this. Now, I know it's a controversial statement. There are some uh, on the desk and others who are not on the desk who would say there's no stock you ever have to own. But look, clearly, all the oxygen in the room, and by that I mean the cash flows in the market, are going to NVIDIA. And fundamentally, there are strong reasons, which Josh and Bryn just pointed out, for that to continue. Um, you know, I said last week, uh, Scott, and you'll remember, I said, listen, you got to own this at 1%. That's a small enough position that on any dips you can add to it. I'm saying that again today. If you don't own it, I do recommend that you add a 1% position to when it. You, when you look at this compared to your other holdings, so this company, 21% operating margins last year. This year, uh, 62%. Yeah. This is unheard of. I mean, but wait, wait, here's yeah. my question. So you look at that and you say, maybe maybe 1% is not correct. You're, maybe it should be more? Well, we all own, we all own like some, expo we have these oh, companies that are earning maybe like 2% profit margin trying to scratch nuggets Josh, of, I'll dance of with copper you out of the ground. I'll, I'll dance with yeah. you. I mean, look, the only thing, the reason I'm saying 1% is, let's face it, it's up 15% today. And, you know, we can go through the superlatives of its price return year to date, the last two years, whatever well, you, you want. Chance, I mean, six, the 1%, it, just it let me say six, this. Six, it was 660. I'll go back. Yeah. It was 666 yesterday right. ahead of the number. I was like, oh, man, that's an ominous number to go into a print on, and now it was 777. And, and so it's up 100, 
I'll just I'll just close on this from a fundamental point of view, and I know it sometimes drives you crazy when I do this or when Stephanie does this, but you look at the valuation, you're going to say, as Stacey Rysgren just said, it's not expensive. I mean, the earnings estimates are going to go up after this, and it's probably below 30 times forward uh, earnings. Uh, you got a growth rate of above 50%. The peg ratio, price to earnings to growth ratio, folks, mm-hmm. is below one. For a company that is just absolutely knocking the cover off the ball, and the cover and the ball are out of the park. Yeah. So, Steph, you don't own it. Um, I think people know that by now. You own Broadcom, you own Lamb, you own IBM. I put a sad face emoji by, I saw that. by your by your name by today name. in our in our document today. Um, it's a playing, humbling business. Playing we a little know. bit it's all right. uh, on, on Stephanie, that. Stephanie, why do you hate NVIDIA? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Or why am I shorting NVIDIA? Because right? why, yeah. why are you shorting I, NVIDIA, I think Stephanie? Too, this is not me saying this. Um, I'll, I'll channel Rascon and say no one has to own anything. But don't tell me you don't own it because it's too expensive. Because as he makes the case, it's still actually the cheapest of all of the AI stocks. Well, it's not. That's Stacey Raskin. No, it's not. At 32 times, actually, Broadcom's at 27 times. And mm-hmm. I think that Broadcom is a great way to play AI. And so that's what I've chosen to do, as well as LAM, as you mentioned, as well as IBM. And we're going to talk about another name down the road in the next block. But look, the, I mean, the stock is going to continue to work, especially as the hyperscalers continue to show that demand. So it's really durable. And the inference numbers were huge at 40 that's double what people were expecting. Um, so all that's great. I just feel like I missed it, and I also feel like I have better value for what I see as superior growth, not to NVIDIA, but to many other technology companies, especially with Broadcom. I mean, Broadcom is the number two AI supplier, $8 billion a year. They're the number one custom ASIC player, $12 billion per year. Mm-hmm. And they have cloud. They've got data center. They've got wireless. They have VMware. And I know you want to have this discussion more about NVIDIA, but I'm just saying that you can own both. No. I don't own both, I, but I own a good player, and I've had a nice return in this thing. I appreciate very much your reasoning, admitting, hey, okay, I missed it. You just said I missed it. Yep. But I have these other ways that I can still play the trend in really key players that are cheap on a valuation standpoint, where you can get comfortable around it. Not everybody picks every single stock perfectly. Jim got into this name after it had already gone up a ton. Now says, well, I'd, I'd still buy a percent today. I think you'd probably disagree. Yeah, no, with, it's with, hard for me to do that. With that? I, I mean, I, I would rather buy more IBM. Or maybe I do circle back and buy a Broadcom. I was taking gains, but maybe I, I, I might, we'll see. I maybe get a bad day. There's and a market correction. But wait a would second, you buy wait a second. it? If there's a market correction? Yeah. I like mean, if it were I'm, down for nothing to do with NVIDIA, but there's see. like a beta splash and there's an opportunity, would, would you would you think about it? Of course. I would always think about it. That's the prudent thing and the right thing to do. But I, but I, if we get a market correction, Josh, all of my other names are going to sell off too. Well. And I'll buy them back. And I'll tell you what. I mean, NVIDIA really focused on hybrid cloud too. And mm-hmm. no one is giving IBM the respect for them owning Red Hat, which is 43% of their total uh, revenues in their software component. And their software and consulting is now 75% of total revenue. So you're, you're going to see better margins, better recurring revenue. And that's the one that I think is the most underappreciated. So again, I got exposure. I don't have NVIDIA, but I'm okay with that. Josh just gives me a good segue. You know, it, this question of if we get a, a market correction, I asked at the very top of the program, does this save you know, the AI trade? Does it save the mega cap leadership role? Does it save the entire rally? JP Morgan's trading desk today, and this is quoting, 
Uh, NVIDIA may be the catalyst not only for the street to get materially more bullish on U.S. equities, but also to see a further decoupling of stocks and yields since the MAG7 are providing to deliver on earnings expectations irrespective of the interest rate environment. Bryn, you want to weigh in on that? This was a big deal. When the market maybe felt a little bit vulnerable, rates have been going up, and here NVIDIA says A-OK. Well, well, first of all, NVIDIA is just going to become a bigger part of the queues and a bigger part of the S&P. So I think after today, it's probably the number three holding in the queues. So I think that if you want to play AI, just buy the queues because you get Steps Broadcom. That's a 5% holding. You get Meta. You get all those companies just with one ticker symbol. I think that NVIDIA just shows how these, how all these other companies are spending. I don't think, though, Scott, you can say it's going to save the market. What I think it's going to do is create little mini bubbles of all these other companies riding the coattails when they have, they're not even remotely delivering the earnings, revenues, or growth mm-hmm. that NVIDIA is doing. I, so I think, I, once again, it's going to repeat I, itself. Yeah. And people are going to get too excited, and it's going to end poorly for most of the companies, but NVIDIA is delivering the goods. I beg to differ in, in only in the sense that I feel like if NVIDIA would have really disappointed and the stock would have gone down a lot, I feel like this mega cap trade may have sucked wind for a little while and the market would not look nearly as good as it does now. And when we were saying and suggesting, well, it's kind of overbought, it's begging for a consolidation of some kind or a correction, maybe that was the catalyst. And now, obviously, in the near term, at least for a day and feels like maybe more than that now, you're you're not going to get that. How about this? Uh, Josh, from from Tony Pascarello at Goldman Sachs, again, head of their hedge fund client coverage, was with me yesterday um, on our closing bell or the day before. Listen to this. In Q4, the MAG7 grew sales by 15 percent year over year and lifted margins by 607 basis points year on year, leading to earnings growth of 60 percent. In contrast, the remaining 493 stocks in the S&P 500 grew sales by 3% year over year, okay? So we're comparing 15% to 3%, while margins contracted by 59 basis points, such that earnings fell by 2%. You want to know why people can continue to go to the MAG-7? Beginning, well, middle, end, that's everything right well, there. Yeah, I mean, this has been, that's the explanation for why we are where we are, why there's been this massive outperformance. It turns out it's not index funds driving this. It's not some, uh, some uh, evil black magic. It's, it's basically fundamentals, and the fundamentals for these companies are appreciating at a more rapid rate than they have been for almost any other type of stock out there. There are some exceptions. You could throw the Eli Lilly's uh, and the AbbVie's for, for the healthcare group. I could probably find you some industrials that have kept up. Um, somebody hilariously was showing me that Abercrombie & Fitch has outperformed NVIDIA uh, over the last year. So sure, there are some other names, but this theme has been so dominant because, to Tony's point, the fundamentals have been the driver behind uh, why these stocks, ex-Tesla, have done what they do and continue to. Mm-hmm. But that's not really, for me, that's not really the question. One of the things I've been talking about is I think things have gotten a little bit out of control, not because the fundamentals are good, but because this game has become too easy to play. Everybody knows you wake up and you buy Meta and you're fine. I question whether or not that game has a lot, uh, a lot more gas left in the tank. The NASDAQ 100 peaked on February 12th, had one of the worst, uh, had the worst day of the year. 
Then it recovered, but to lower highs on February 16th. Here we are today with another recovery for the NASDAQ, not quite back at those uh, uh, February 12th and February 16th levels. And look at Apple. Stock is not enjoying itself today. No. Like, it's, well, it it's, looks it like it wants it, to go red. No, it, you know what? Yesterday, it was, it was about to break through 180. So it's, it's bounced a little bit. Now it's like, you know, 180. Why uh, isn't Microsoft up 6% today? Answer me that. If, if because things everybody are, owns it. But, but my point is, if things are so gangbusters for right. NVIDIA, theoretically, that should speak to what's going on with Microsoft's AI products, which are now what you're betting on if you mm-hmm. buy the stock. Why isn't that stock going nuts? Why isn't Apple giving you the follow through? Because, because Apple's not viewed as an AI stock. Yet. And, and you get, you, yet. Yet. I, I totally agree with you. I, I've been buying it, right? WWDC, I think, is going to be the event in June that we want to focus on because I think that's when they're going to announce yep. AI things. My only point is so, I'm worried about the NASDAQ. I'm worried about right. the Nasdaq overall, well, it's that, not making a new high right at this moment. But, but I will say, come on. I mean, some of the semi-cap equipment names are up huge. Some of the software companies Stipulated. are up huge. AI touches so many different pieces within technology. And so I do think that this, them having a really good number, numbers going higher, mm. is going to have a positive halo effect. But maybe it's not just technology that works. Maybe it's well, other things. Okay. It's a broadening we'll out. We are that. seeing a we, broadening we, 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 out. We're going to get to that in a minute. Um, staying on the mega cap thing for a second, because Jim Labenthal, you talk about, you know, buying high. You better hope these things are going to continue to work. You bought Amazon. I, okay, oh, I was wondering. Amazon. I was wondering how Mr. you were going to set that up. Mr. Value, the value valuation. <laughs> Wait a second. I was wondering how you were going to set that up because I, I heard. You, listen, I do. I heard. Uh, well, you did not disappoint. <laughs> uh, you never do. But, folks, this is not an expensive stock. Pause for impact. It's not an expensive stock. I got you 40 times forward earnings. Listen, there's a new sheriff in town, Andrew Jassy. They're not spending as much in R&D as they used to. They're still spending a lot, but there's a lot of earnings that have been hidden for quite some time that are being uncovered. I think that 40 times multiple is frankly too high. I think the earnings are going to come in higher. Fundamentally, you can see that in terms of a fully employed consumer. Look at weekly jobless claims today. That's going to continue to buy uh, on, on the Internet, as well as Amazon Web Services. But but putting this together, when I say it's inexpensive, the peg ratio, again, mentioned it earlier, that's the price-to-earnings ratio versus the long-term growth rate, is 1.5. That is very attractive for a stock. And last thing, it probably should have led with this. You know, over the last three and a half years, the stock has gone nowhere. I, I mean, it has been dead money for three and a half years. I think Thanks. that's a huge base. I mean, I'll appeal to uh, you, you know, the technician here. Would you be surprised if it turns out that this is the secret stock that Berkshire Hathaway is accumulating? Mm. Uh, interesting. interesting. Would you be like, totally shocked? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. It's one of the few stocks that's big enough to move the needle. Okay. It's a stock that he has publicly said, and Charlie, uh, rest in peace, has said they missed it. They should have been smart enough to buy it. Stock's done nothing for three years. This is my guess for when we get that. Re- and I own Berkshire, too, so I'll be double Double exposed. Me too. Me too. This is my this is my guess. I think this is what they're they're buying. But can wow. we acknowledge this sold Paramount Global, by the way, Berkshire. <laughs> so like, it's like a lot of clues. Jeez, really. Like, let me get we'll that get knife to, out we'll of my to, back. We'll get to Berkshire <laughs> stuff coming up in a little bit. But Steph, I want your take too, because you own Amazon, and yeah. you know, the, again, tried and true value investor. At some point, said, yeah, you got to pay up. It's not expensive. You got to yeah, pay yeah, up no, for yeah. for growth for great companies. I, I bought it in October when the stock fell on the quarter that was supposedly bad, and I just thought it was really good. And there's a lot of ways to win with AWS accelerating, retail margins going higher, free cash flow going through the roof. And so I think you're right, Jassy actually, the CEO does have good, better discipline, but I want him to continue to spend. And so I do 
going to spend like 100 billion is, on RNG. Yeah, 40, 40, 40 times is it's not expensive, but again, again, it's if, not you 40 can times. Get an, if you can get acceleration in AWS, that will be very, very important. Um, and that's the margin driver. So I think that's really a, a key. And remember, like the last 10 years, the stock has traded at like 100 well, because times. I, I, can I posit that you can't, as, a, as value investors, you can't necessarily, I guess I want your takes on this, it's a question, I'm not trying to make a declarative statement. Can you necessarily look at valuation today the same way you would a couple of decades ago, just based on growth in areas like cloud and AI, in which NVIDIA and Amazon, which once both of you as bottoms up value investors would say, absolutely no touch, no way, and here I have both of you in two stocks that have at various times, including in some respects now for NVIDIA, been deemed as the poster stocks of high valuation, high growth. First and foremost, I was buying Amazon at 600. You remember that. That was way, way, way long. And then I sold it, which was a bad move, but I made so much money on it. Sometimes you have to look at valuation relative to its historical average and sometimes on an absolute basis. And if you, maybe it's justifying missing a stock and trying to get into, but I don't think you can ignore all of these total addressable markets of what you just said, all of these various different pieces, this is the real deal. And so I want to have exposure to that. Um, and I'm trying to figure out if, you know, when something gets more attractive, again, relative mm. to itself. I hear you, but I, I, and I do remember when you first bought Amazon, it was maybe five, five years ago, yeah. six years ago, something like that. And for a lot of value investors, you'd say, well, why don't you own Amazon? And it was really nothing more than, it's just too expensive. I've been having this fight with these people. Judge, I've been having this fight with these people for years and years. One of the things that I have always <laughs> said, come on, come on. I know. One of the I things know. I've always said is that traditional measures of valuation, number one, are backward looking, but number two, did not envision the dominance of these types of companies. Amazon decided. Hey, hey, for, hey listen. Well, wait, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Amazon decided four years ago. Hey, guess what? We're going to start an advertising business. It's the third largest advertising business in the world. Brother. Three years later, how do you how do you value on a price earnings basis Brother a company Josh. that could decide to do that? Brother Josh, I got you. Here's the thing: when we talk about valuation, I know it drives you crazy. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes Steph and I are right. right. Okay. If you were buying this stock three and a half years ago, it has been a dog for the last Not three and a half years. Not because of valuation. Fine. What I'm saying, oh, hang on a second there, my, right, my right. hot friend, okay? What I'm saying is I am not turning in my value card, okay? I'm not giving up my credentials. No, you're just putting it in the drawer and pretending like you don't have it. No, it's like you're taking it. off your wedding ring, walking into a it party. Is nothing we know like what that. you're doing, Jimmy. Oh, God, what are you, not, what are you saying? Under- That's awful. It did hang not, on a second. Wait a second. It's it's not not three, it did not underperform <laughs> for three years because of COVID. It underperformed because they couldn't deliver operating leverage. They couldn't deliver the top, at the same time, the bottom line. Guys, right? Margins were depressed. That's, not, you get a that's not a valuation person. issue. That's peg an execution. Ratio. Peg ratio. Value is about the peg ratio. It's not, not about buying stocks at five times earnings that can't grow their earnings. That interests nobody, including value investors. If you're growing your earnings at 26%, which is what FactSet thinks is the long-term growth rate for Amazon, I think that's too low. A 40 times multiple is a very attractive price to pay for it. I'm done. All right. Good stuff. Let's take a quick break. All right. <laughs> Stephanie Link is making some big moves uh, in her portfolio. She just <laughs> added to a pair of stocks. They're up double digits in the past three months. The reveals are next. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. 
Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. All right, let's uh, get to Stephanie Link for those moves that I mentioned before. So you added, let's do number one, you added to Target. Yeah. In a week where, you know, Walmart's getting a lot of chat, why why'd you add to Target? I know these are so not as exciting as Amazon and right, we were just good. talking about. If the about, stock goes up, it's exciting. But, um, but yeah, they've been doing some interesting things, Scott. So they promoted the CFO to COO, um, which I think is sort of kind of interesting. They've been po- focusing on new product initiatives, differentiation, um, and they've also focused on changing their ad agency after 20 years. And so, but I kind of think I add all these things together, and I kind of think that they're going on the offensive versus the defensive. They've already lowered the inventories pretty big time. They've already tried to transition their products to less discretionary, more consumables. I think we know all that. Mm-hmm. But all of these other changes kind of caught my eye. And I do think operating margins can go higher. And I think you can see $10 a share in earnings power by 2025. And I, I do think this is kind of off the radar screen. I think everybody loves Walmart for good reason, but I think maybe there's a comeback here. Well, you know, because it's almost like Target made you take it off of the, the radar I screen know, for a while, course, right? Of course. They had, you know, a bunch of missteps. Yes. They had bloated inventories. Uh, quarter after quarter, you'd hear from Brian Cornell, highly respected CEO, obviously, trying to figure out when they were going to be able to get it right. Yeah. And I think last quarter they did get a lot right. They didn't get the same store sales. They didn't get the revenue, but they got the operating margin right. That really surprised investors and kind of gets us a path to, is it 7 or 8% operating margins over the next couple of years? And if they can just get some top line, which is why the new product initiatives are interesting to me, if they can just get some of the top line and you get the margin side of it, well, then you have a very powerful earnings story. GE Healthcare, you added to that too. Yeah. Um, On the decline yesterday? It was down 4% yesterday for no reason. And I thought that, I think this company's doing a really good job. Hospital CapEx is going to go up about 2.5% this year. Utilization rates, we know that uh, from many of the uh, med tech companies, they're going much higher. And that benefits GE Healthcare. And in addition, they're starting to see an improvement sequentially on margins. And so if margins go higher, better CapEx, decent organic growth of something like 5%, it's trading at like 15 times forward it's pretty cheap. Stock ex- looks great. Don't expect any more buys of these either because these are full for you oh, now. Big positions for me now. The other yeah. one I want to talk about was was one of yours. It's not a it's not a new move. It, it, you know, we're not talking about today. Quanta Services. Yeah. All time high today. So it's a top five position. Yes. For you. What what it was earnings. Yeah. Which is why we have a record. 
Yeah, I mean, they beat earnings and they beat revenue and guidance went higher. Um, and these guys are beneficiary of, of the whole onshoring theme, North America energy transition. You're going to see investments as much as $4 trillion between now and 2050. And these guys are right in the middle of it. And they're one of the best operators, too. And they beat across the board. Um, the only thing I wasn't too crazy about was margins, because, you know, I'm a big margin person. But I love the, the top line and the bottom line beat. It's one of the best performers in the S&P. And it is the best performing stock in the industrial space today, too. So I'm glad we highlighted that. All right. Up next, our call of the day. One firm says the software name ahead of earnings is a sell. We're going to debate that because we have ownership on the desk. First, though, a quick message as CNBC celebrates black heritage. We often talk in our community about keeping it real. I, for one, want magic. You see, magic is what black history is all about. It's about celebrating people who achieved magical feats. Our ancestors did not focus on their reality. Instead, they dared to dream and then acted on those dreams. During this Black History Month, our community, particularly our young people, should commit to making magic. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back to Halftime Report. I'm Bertha Coombs with your CNBC News update. Israel strikes hit Rafah today, leveling a mosque and homes in what residents called one of the worst nights so far. Gaza authorities said the bombings killed at least 97 people and injured 130 others. Meanwhile, the chief of Hamas was in Cairo in talks for a truce in an effort to prevent a full-on assault on the city that Israel has threatened to launch. A Japanese Yakuza leader was charged yesterday for conspiracy to traffic nuclear materials in the hopes that Iran would use them for a nuclear weapon. According to New York prosecutors, the accused organized crime leader showed samples in Thailand to an undercover agent with the DEA who posed as a trafficker with access to an Iranian general. He allegedly offered to sell 50 metric tons of nuclear material for almost $7 million. And Toyota is recalling almost 280,000 vehicles due to a transmission issue, which can cause the vehicles to roll forward when it's in neutral on a flat road. The recall affects vehicles including Toyota Sequoias and Tundras from 2022 to 2024. Scott, back over to you. Bertha, thank you. Bertha Coombs, let's get to our call of the day now. Monas Crespi Hart saying, sell Snowflake ahead of earnings next week. All right. So... 
knew this was going to be controversial. Mm-hmm. I know you're not going to like it. No. They, uh, the stock is, well, in, in the two, where is it, 226. They say it targets should be 160. And the commentary they have, quote, benefiting from an overly exuberant tech market and riding the coattails of an unprecedented AI hype cycle. Okay, that's null and void after NVIDIA. So right there in my mind, I mean, look, I I think that the lifeblood of AI is data and quality data Mm -hmm. and accessibility at size and at scale. And that's what these guys do. It is not cheap at all. We've talked about it. It trades about 19 times price to sales. But historically, it's traded about 37 times price to sales. I'm not, I, I hope it doesn't rally into the print. I don't want expectations to get carried away, but I am in this for a, a really long time because I believe in what they're doing and what we're hearing. I mean, the inference number from NVIDIA I mentioned before, that is huge for these guys. It's all about data and clean data. And so if it sells off, it's a small position, Scott. If it sells off, I'll be, I'll be, I'll definitely be big adding. Big Brad Gerstner name. We've talked about uh, yeah. every time he's got a big position in that stock and, and has had uh, since before the IPO. Uh, AbV, Bryn, is looking to sell at least $13 billion of bonds to fund M&A, according to reports. You own the stock? Yeah, so they're doing the bond offering to actually fund the M&A they've already done. In the fourth quarter, they spent about $18 billion to acquire Cerevel and Immunogen. And so this bond offering will be to help fund those deals they've already done. I think what's also interesting is Earlier this week, the CEO, who had been there for 10 years, is retiring. They're promoting the CEO to CEO. So they've done two big acquisitions. You now have a leadership change. So, so far, the market's enjoy—Avi has enjoyed a really nice run year to date. Mm-hmm. But over the next year mm-hmm. or so, it's going to come to execution and their ability to absorb these two big acquisitions and actually monetize that as Humera comes down. So. Uh, it's had a good run. I'm actually looking at this to somewhat take profits because I do think the market's going to be much more um, hard on this name with the new CEO uncertainty and digesting $20 billion of acquisitions. Okay. Jimmy, you own it too. Similar assessment or, or no? Very similar. And also, I, I just want to mention the valuation because it matters. Around 15 times earnings with a 3.5% dividend yield, you're getting a very innovative company at a cheap price with cash flow that comes back to you. I also, by the way, think that it's emblematic of what's going on with healthcare in general. Coming back from a really terrible 2023, I think there's a lot of names that are in the process of doing what AbbVie has done for the last several months, which is really soar higher. Okay. Uh, PG&E, you want to take that too after the earnings beat? Yeah, I mean, I said this uh, yesterday that this is the opposite end of the drama spectrum from NVIDIA or Snowflake or any Amazon, any of these names. This is a utility. It's doing exactly what I want it to do. It's lowering the volatility overall in the portfolio. It's giving up good results. It's very well run by Patty Poppy. She's the CEO there. Uh, coming back from four years ago when it came out of bankruptcy from the forest fires, the sentiment is turning on this name. And although it's down a little bit today, you can see in the operating results. It's really well run. It's a good company. This should slowly trickle higher over the rest of this year. All right. Coming up next, more money, more problems. Berkshire's cash pile at a record high. The company gearing up for earnings this weekend. So what should Team Buffett do with all that money? We'll debate it. And we have a big interview coming your way next week. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon will be live on halftime from that company's annual global high yield and leveraged finance conference down in Miami. Don't miss that. It is Monday. It's noon Eastern, and we're back on the half right after this. Well, there's the NASDAQ for you, up 2.5%, near 400 points. Thank you, NVIDIA, but it's not just that. 
A lot of these chip stocks, I mean, AMD is surging. All the mega caps are up as well on a big day for technology stocks. Berkshire Hathaway, let's move there, hitting a new all-time high in its own right today ahead of earnings this weekend. The annual meeting, company's cash pile surge to be a big focus. All right, so they're sitting, Josh, on $157.2 billion. Yep. What are they going to do with that? That's the speculation. I don't know. It's, these are high-class problems to have. They're probably earning more in money markets and treasuries than they've they've ever earned, period, on their cash, just given how much cash there is. And now it's a 5% yield. You look at the last 15 years of what they could have earned just managing that cash. It's nothing compared to today. Uh, they're certainly not buying back any stock. We know that from, from last quarter they barely did. And the stock's done nothing but go higher. Uh, they have no rule in place official rule. They have talked about it as a function of uh, book value, but that kind of went out the window. I'd be very surprised if they bought back a ton more stock. So the question is, like, is there a massive acquisition they could do? Because I don't think they're looking to just throw it at a, a bunch of stocks or, or build up positions uh, like, a, like a, a regular investor would. I think they still want to be strategic if the right thing comes along. The problem is everything is up. Home prices are up. Commodities are up. Almost every type of stock is up. So there aren't better deals this quarter than there were last quarter. I think most of what we'll read in the letter will be an encomium to uh, the late Charlie Munger. Uh, I don't think there's going to be anything particularly revolutionary. I do think it's interesting, though, that the company has been selling down the position in uh, Paramount, which was clearly a disaster. There might be some commentary in there about Todd and Ted, who are running the $350 billion stock portfolio, half of which is now Apple. Maybe there'll be some more color about what their plans are um, to take more of, of the reins of the investing side. And maybe there'll be some commentary about Japan. This was one of uh, Berkshire's big strategic uh, investments in the, in, in the portfolio. They bought shares in multiple uh, Japanese trading houses. And look at the Japanese stock market. It has had this 35-year awakening. All-time high for yep. the Nikkei. Yep. And not a lot of people saw that coming. Apparently, Berkshire sort of saw that coming. Uh, and those investments probably look really wise in, in hindsight. So those are the things that, that I'll be personally uh, paying attention to. But you also you know, threw out earlier your belief uh, or guess that Amazon is this well, they own Amazon. stock. Well, it's, it's a guess based on literally not. I've never even been to Omaha, okay? So everyone, like, <laughs> relax. Don't, Have don't, you had an Omaha steak? Don't aggregate this into, <laughs> into a, a news story on your blog, please. But, but they do own Amazon. It does fit a lot of the characteristics of a classic Berkshire stock. They like these kinds of companies that have a very uh, wide and deep economic moat. They like companies that have been around for a long time. They like companies that have huge market share in the categories they play in. And they like companies where they've had a long time to observe management. And Amazon ticks a lot of those boxes. The fact that it was just added to the Dow, I think, should also not be lost uh, on anyone. Mm. Of course, Berkshire Hathaway famously owns and has owned many Dow components uh, in the past. So uh, the last thing I would say on that is they, they have historically had an aversion to tech. That ended 10 years ago when they started to accumulate Apple. 
Amazon's not even in the tech index. It's considered a consumer discretionary stock, hilariously, probably because the retail business is a $100 billion annual business. Um, but I just think it's possible, and it would be uh, it would be cool if so. Jimmy, you own it too. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Josh did a great uh, discussion of the public stocks, but it's the private companies that he owns that really interest me. Yep. I mean, Burlington Northern Santa Fe, we've seen the railroads have been on a tear here, and there's actually been a lot of room for operational improvement at Burlington Northern Santa Fe. I'm going to look for what they say about that. Oh, by the way, if you looked at insurance stocks recently, they have been on an absolute tear, and insurance is a huge part of Berkshire Hathaway's business. So it's not just the public stocks, it's the private companies as well that have been propelling this. Let's see what they say uh, about insur- them. Catastrophe insurance, they wrote a big policy in Florida for 2023. There weren't any catastrophic storms. That's probably a feather in Agit Jane's cap. Uh, some good underwriting there, too. Insurance is a really big part of, uh, of the earnings picture here. All right, coming up next, one of Jim's energy positions under some pressure today following earnings. We're going to break that down next. Welcome back. Let's talk about shares of Chenier today. They're down about three and a half percent as we look right now. Jimmy, you own this, right? Yeah. Thirty nine percent plunge in revenue. I mean, natural gas is a dollar fifty. Is that the whole story? It really kind of is because it's reflective of demand, right? You had uh, warmer than expected winter in Europe, so they're not demanding as much liquefied natural gas. I'm very much a believer in this story, folks, for the long run. I think LNG is not just here to stay, but it's here to grow. And the U.S. is the major export because we're awash in it. Um, LNG runs the export terminals and pipelines that go to those export terminals. I'm not going to get caught up in one quarter. Their guidance came out and it was just a touch light, okay? Um, But this is a stock that's attractively priced with a very fundamental reason for it to go higher over the next years, plural, which is demand for LNG, not just from Europe, but from Asia and elsewhere. We're the supplier of it. To get it out of the U.S. and overseas, you've got to go through Chenier. Is that your, when you say years, plural, is that the expectation that you're going to have to wait years, plural? for the rewards of being in this stock well, not, now? No, I don't think so, because as you pointed out, natural gas at $1.50, I mean, uh, that seems to me very, very low. You um, think? I do. I Why do. is the dividend so low? Because this is because in the, this is in the MLP bucket for because most they're, investors. They're building more terminals is why. So you have to. So then you have to make the bet that that's the right move, not to try to monetize the scarcity of these terminals that exist right now. Yeah, I mean, you have I, to again, bet on the again, you the have re-up. to have the thesis, which I do, that LNG exports are very much a growth industry. I do believe that. Bryn. You have obviously, you know, good amount of exposure in the energy space, Devon, Energy Transfer and Diamondback. Tell us why you seem to prefer those over, you know, pure nat gas plays. So specifically, like a Diamondback, I mean, they did well last year, but I like to look at companies with high free cash flow yields. So I think that nat gas, to Jim's point, we're awash in nat gas. Energy and oil's volatile as enough. Nat gas, it doesn't seem that there's a floor. Chenier's done well over the last five years relative to the energy play, but I would just prefer to stay in the Diamondbacks, the Viper Energies, and then if you want to be diversified, we have a big position in RSPG, which is the equal weight, um, equal weight energy. You know, Steph, you sort of hold the view as well of the volatility of natural gas being a deterrent yeah. to you having much exposure, if, if any. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weather, and I just don't have an edge on it anyway 
at all. <laughs> I mean, I barely have oil under control, right? And that's so volatile. So I would rather have the oil exposure. Um, and I do. I, I like what I have, Exxon. I love what they're doing with the Permian. Um, and I do like uh, Diamondback as well, like what they're doing with the Permian. And SLB, it's just so cheap uh, for the number one player. And I think it's a hidden technology gem. So I like those stories. But they're all kind of special situation stories. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to hit two big winners and two big losers, as we always do. Well, Rivian's getting wrecked today, uh, but another AI play is just off to the races. We'll tell you about it next because it is up massively, and it's not named NVIDIA. Welcome back. Big winners, big losers. We were going to highlight Royal Caribbean, which raised its full year guidance. We could see that DoorDash was upgraded today as well. But then we saw Super Microcomputer, which mm. is up 30%. That is only 226 bucks. I feel like calling this Super Mario Brothers computer because the thing trades like video game style. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is unbelievable. This too, sort of, the stock was 85 bucks. Now it's like, a, it's almost a thousand. The 52 week high is 1,077. You talked about it a long time ago. Didn't buy it. Oh, of course sadly. not. Of course not. <laughs> it, would be, it, would be, it would be a $6 stock if I bought it. Uh, Supermicro is one of these companies that is essential for the retrofitting of old cloud infrastructure slash the new data centers that are being built. Every time NVIDIA gets orders for GPUs to go into one of these data centers, you also are going to need the type of equipment that Supermicro provides. So along with Arista Networks, Anet, another name that we've talked about, this is like in that group now it moves on AI this company actually did a huge convert uh, sale and the stock is still higher so not only do we love the implications of what Nvidia had to say for Supermicro we also love dilution apparently so that's cool I also think there are a lot of shorts in here playing the video game today they lost and uh, I, I would guess this will remain an exciting stock for, for a long it's only a 50 billion dollar market cap it doesn't take much to push this yeah, thing around yeah there's no doubt about that All right. Well, uh, we may continue to call it Super Mario. We'll, we'll, Super Mario computer, we'll see. Uh, Rivian, Bryn, you know, you own Tesla, you don't own Rivian, yeah. but Rivian's getting no. wrecked, as we said. Um, and EVs, rough going for EVs. Rough going for EV, well, rough going for Tesla specific. Rivian is like, I continue to believe that people want to own in America a Tesla or a Rivian, but Rivian is not profitable. I think they're going to continue to be challenged. They're very, they're very popular in the high-end consumer, but okay. I think this is a tough stock to own. All right, final trades are next. Hope you join me on Closing Bell, 3 o'clock Eastern, Light Street's Glenn Kacher with me. So obviously we're talking plenty of tech. Adam Parker, Joe Terranova, we'll kick all of it around today. We'll do final trades. Bryn, what do you have for us? Uh, JEPQ, best companies in the country, Income and AI. All right, Jimmy. BlackRock. Steph. Fortinet. Josh Brown. Shake Shack at 100. How you like me now? <laughs> I'm looking at the NASDAQ. It's uh, 16,000 again, 420. Funding for NVIDIA secured. I'll see you on closing bell. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. 
opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report Disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.